Well, hi, and um, welcome again to this is our now 11th um, webinar in the uh, Smart Building series of webinars we've been doing this year. And this one is titled Shining a Light on the Internet of Things in Buildings. And uh, today I'm talking to uh, Tanush Mohan of uh, Enlighted. He's a CTO. And they are a uh, silicon-based, uh, sorry, excuse me, Silicon Valley-based company. And I will introduce uh, Tanish in a minute. Just wanted to say quickly, of course, if you guys have any questions, uh, you can please type them in. Um, I'll get them here and then I can pose them, uh, Tanish, or um, indeed if you have any for, for myself as well. So let's get started. Uh, so hi and welcome, Tanish. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, thanks for agreeing to do this. So um, I guess, you know, it would be great to just start off um, with a little introduction to Enlighted and how you guys started. Yeah, Enlighted is a company that is today truly bringing commercial real estate into the world of IoT. What we do is deploy completely digital multipurpose sensors with light fixtures. Lighting gives the sensor platform position and power. In return, the sensor gives every fixture a brain. The granularity of such an installation and the richness of the data gathered is what enables the most advanced lighting control architecture possible. So today, Enlighted is an end-to-end -end IoT solution with edge devices all the way up to cloud data and analytics. Okay, so you, yeah kind of a full stack approach that you guys are taking. And that was going to be my sort of question is why is your approach different to um, some of the other companies that are providing these kind of services? So our background was networking, network security, computers. So when we looked at the coming of LEDs, we realized that, you know, there was a, point where every fluorescent fixture, every incandescent fixture is going to move to LEDs. And when we looked at real estate as an asset class, you know, people don't know anything about it. I've worked in a large number of enterprises and when I've walked in, the lights are always on. Even today, when I walked into our building that is managed by our landlord, the heating had been running all night and it's really hot. So there has been no visibility. And that's kind of where you know, we started with a clean sheet of paper, not, not looking at how people had solved these problems in the past and brought modern cutting edge technology to the table and solved the issues that we saw in the best possible fashion. And we were lucky. I mean, we, we had no legacy to carry forward. So yeah. that's how we ended up with the architecture we have. We focused on the problems. The problems were in lighting control that people had to wave their hands, uh, there were large zones, there were uh, sweep timers at night and people were irritated with them. So we went after the lighting control problem and figured out that you know, one of the real reasons it doesn't work is a complete absence of detailed data. In a large zone, you can't see people sitting in cubes. So we needed granular sensing so we had complete visibility and with that we were able to build a solution that would just get better with time. So our approach, the fact that we started with a clean sheet of paper and we built it as a compute platform that will okay. 
get field upgraded in the future is why we were why we are different today okay so what would you say is the sort of dna of the company i mean obviously you have the software background but you are a lighting and energy company what what is the what so is, the dna yeah. of the company i would say is primarily software our background has been in the networking industry we have helped deploy every type of networking device that's out there from uh, DWDM optical switches to outdoor Wi-Fi mesh networks and we have managed all of these disparate types of networks with different bandwidth requirements, diff different physical requirements, different environments they go into. So that's how we looked at it. We looked at a large distributed set of nodes that need to be managed yeah. and the more data we have the easier it is for us to manage them. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I mean, obviously, as a startup, but I mean, I mean, how many you've been going a few years now? Yeah, we are probably a little past being called a startup. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, around, I would say, about eighty million square feet installed, and when we do our installations, we typically deploy one sensor every hundred square feet. So we have close to a million sensors deployed all over the world today. A bulk yeah. of, it, of it in the United States. So you're doing um, the hardware, uh, some uh, software data management. Is that, yeah. is that still the strategy going forward? I mean, are you, um, do you think it's going to be, uh, with, with some of the players that we're seeing coming into the market, do you think it's going to be uh, possible to, to do with this kind of dual strategy to continue? Honestly, you know, we have been waiting. We have been waiting for the right network standards to be deployed, yeah. scalable protocols to be defined, you know, the cloud architecture to be built enterprise class. So we have been waiting. I don't expect us to go through this do-it-all strategy for much longer, but the thing is that each time we go looking, we have built on top of what we have, and what is being offered today does not meet our requirements. So we can start at any level, the sensors, the network, mm -hmm. the cloud infrastructure, the security around it, the ease of use of the entire system. So in some sense, as we keep developing our solution, we keep getting ahead of the platforms that are being offered today. But I think in the next year or so, we will find platforms that are now mature enough for us to start embracing it. Mm -hmm. And we would, we would like to use, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants who've done it correctly and start leveraging what they bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and going forward, I mean, do you see, do you have plans, for example, for an API um, to open up some of the, uh, you know, so some of the, the system for other manufacturers of equipment. Absolutely. We've actually been in betas now for over a year where our APIs have been used by a number of third parties who have built specific applications for their environment. Uh, I think in Q4, Q1 timeframe, we will release our APIs for, for the general consumption. Mm. And um, in terms of, so from a marketing perspective, um, in the last year or so, I see that you 
a talk um, less about lighting now and more about sort of building energy management. Is there a specific reason for that or, uh, you know, was so, that an, an active decision on your part? It is. You know, it's unfortunate, but the bulk of lighting and lighting control was all about cost and code. Facility managers are siloed in most organizations and are the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to budget. Mm. So they've had very little motivation to innovate or do something new. So we realized that we have to get to higher levels in the organization where either social awareness has the C-level, so we look, look at being green as a corporate goal, or look to other departments uh, in the CIO organization where they realize the value, or HR, where they realize the value of the data that could help you know, improve employee productivity or increase the operational efficiencies of other parts of their business. So we have been actively trying to get corporations involved at a higher level because we have so much to offer. And lighting from an energy standpoint is uh, the least valuable asset in a building. Above that is HVAC, and then the employees are way more valuable mm. than any energy savings measures you can have. So energy is the way to get in because CFOs like to see real businesses. The lighting savings provides a way to get the system in purely on a energy ROI basis. Right, and then when they can see the power of the system, then it's... It's easier, of course, yes. to sell out. It's the emotional response you need from the end customer. And lighting, unfortunately, has not had that. I've worked in large corporations for the last 20 years, and I've never really noticed the lights till the last six years when I got to enlighted and I started to look at the <laughs> ceiling in every building. But yeah. that, that's a fact of life. So you, we have to educate and get you know, people at a higher level motivated. Mm. You talked there um, about this uh, social awareness, you know, uh, productivity of employees, for example, which, which totally echo what you said, like about it being a, um, you know, um, very high up on the, the agenda for, for people who run businesses. How can your system then improve that for, you know, for companies? So the... The energy is the easy one. You know, we have occupancy data, granular occupancy data, we have temperature data, we have light level data, and we are also started to do, you know, asset tracking and indoor GPS with our data. So once we have detailed data of the building, how it performs in summer, winter, day, night, we are able to optimize other parts of the buildings. So uh, the first optimization we released the product uh, a few weeks ago was air that is that is an HVAC advisory product mm -hmm. that reduces depending on how optimized your building is between five and twenty five percent on the HVAC load so there is a lot of energy reduction that we do with our system simply because the data is there we have looked at folks who are looking at optimizing the elevators in high rises based on the data that we are providing on how people move in the building, how they move out, and how do you optimize the elevators for maximum efficiency. But even if you look at the elevator example, we are now shifting into employee productivity. You know, if you could reduce the wait time in a high-rise for every 
employee by a couple of minutes a day waiting for an elevator just that gains you know if you use a hundred dollar an hour employee cost and that itself has the system paying for itself in six months so that you know crossing that bridge into employee productivity is actually quite easy we have used our system for conference room scheduling as offices are moving towards hoteling and more flex spaces yeah. you, you have individuals walking around looking for a huddle room or a conference room and our system because of its real-time nature can provide an app where the individual can find the closest conference room that is available and with the tap of a button reserve it and go in for his meeting saving again minutes just in walking around these are the you know low-hanging fruit mm. above that people start looking at how departments behave you know are they are they mingling the way they were expected is the space being used effectively I could get into it but I think I'll be treading into <laughs> You know areas that are uh, under NDA because we see so much going on in buildings. We see Friday patterns where people work on average two to three hours less. We see Tuesday patterns where now I know that Tuesdays are the most effective day in a building with the highest uh, number of people in. So if I want to have a meeting with a customer, I should probably meet him on a Tuesday. We see all these patterns across 80 million square feet, and we've just started to scratch the surface. Yeah, people you... have said that if you show me the sales data, I can tell you predict the sales for the quarter just by the fact that the salespeople were very active or they were not in the office and doing their job selling versus they were in their op in the office and not selling so it's it starts getting very interesting when you use the data in different ways combining it with other data especially right because of course you can't unless you're measuring this stuff you can't optimize you have to, that's the, the baseline right yes and we talked there mostly about so this office environment. Where else are you installing this, uh, your uh, systems? So we have done a lot of warehouses, distribution centers, parking lots, parking garages. We have done manufacturing facilities. So the, you know, when, when you get the solution right, that is, there is a sensor with every light fixture. And it operates the light fixture independent of the rest of the sensors, but each sensor can talk to every other sensor in its neighbor neighborhood and create group patterns that are independent of any central system. The architecture enables itself for every type of application. So in some sense, we don't have to tune it. The only thing we need to tune is the fact that for outdoor, it needs to be IP65, and there might be some cold storage requirements for temperature. But other than that, the architecture is such that it actually works in every environment. We have focused on areas where the potential for energy savings is really high because that's the low-hanging fruit for us. So distribution centers, warehouses, parking lots, parking garages, and offices. Yeah. Where the light is on 24 hours, yes. for example, for security in a, in a parking lot. Max, yeah. We see a maximum wastage in those areas. We've done a number of schools, and uh, schools are now coming back. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we have seen these incidents in schools and yeah, in other places around the world. Mm -hmm. And people have started to ask us if we could use our data to help find where people are in an emergency life safety type situation and help evacuate the building. We have we have done things like that also, which is uh, which is a lot more rewarding than uh, doing lighting. 
Mm, yeah, and also interesting because obviously then you're pushing into the realm of security and video, where video and access control has been obviously the, the predominant systems. Yeah, this is one of the things we saw. I mean, uh, in one of our buildings, our data scientist was going through the data and he saw a spike at 3.24 a.m., I think on August 24th of last year. And it was a spike and it looked like, you know, half the sensors in the building had triggered. And just before that, the building was telling us that there were no more than, you know, two people in the building. And he showed me this spike. He said, so I said, hey, look for a lightning strike, look for bad weather. Mm. And I couldn't figure it out till I looked at the news from that day and I realized we saw the Napa earthquake and the building was actually shaking, causing our sensors. Now we have, you know, advanced DSP in our sensors and we, we, we suppress most of these false positives, but we didn't expect the building to be moving. We, all our <laughs> uh, signatures were for things moving under the sensor, not the sensor moving. So it actually did trigger. And then we see the two people in the building actually run out. You can see the pace of, of the sensor triggers as we played back the building, because we can play back what happened in a building second by second over uh, the last two years in a number of buildings around the world. And I said, oh my God, just think if fire or life safety officials had this, mm -hmm. they would know that there were two people in the building and they did get out or they would know that there are three people still trapped in a certain corner of the building and focus their efforts on getting them out first and then do you know, their regular sweep of the building and whatever else they do. So yeah. It, yeah, having the data is just amazing. We discover something new every day. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. And the, the kind of granularity you can get from, from these sensors, very, you know, very interesting. I, I didn't, And they're you, all time synchronized. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you sorry, sort of sorry. alluded to a little bit there about, about the architecture would be interesting, I think, just to talk about that for, for, for a bit as much as you can. I mean, you were talking about how the sensors communicate. So they're, they're working um, on a wireless mesh network. Is that is that correct? Yes, on a wireless network, yes. Uh, the mesh part of it is is there, but it is reduced to zero overhead for control. So that's some of the innovation that went in uh, in building our network. Our network is used very efficiently and primarily used as a high bandwidth data in you know transport infrastructure given uh, radios that are lower bandwidth. Right. Because you have talked about this so before, haven't you? The, you weren't the what was commercially available at the time. It wasn't giving you enough bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. The things that were available at the time that would meet our requirements were based on 8215.4 radios, which are the radios we use today. But the protocols on top of that were like Zigbee and a few others were available. But they were mostly targeted towards small deployments, where they expected one gateway to have 50, 60, 70 nodes, and uh, the, the entire architecture was built around uh, doing a mesh for such size networks. And for them, when I spoke with a number of people, they said, hey, what do lights do? They do on, off, dim, brighten. The messages are small and few. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to say, no, this is a data gathering end node that would love to stream as much data back as possible. The lighting part of it is managed by a small fraction of the data we gather. The rest of the data is meant for future-proofing the building and getting new applications on, on the building. So 
Look, I mean, at Tropos, my my previous company, we did outdoor Wi-Fi meshes. We learned a lot about Wi-Fi, but one of the business models we got into was trying to replace DSLs, which was a wired connection, and it was tough because wireless is not wire is always better than wireless. So if a truck would park in front of a garbage truck would park in front of your house and get between the wireless access point on a street lamp and your access point, you would lose connectivity. So when when we did lighting, the thing that we realized that the switch on the wall is really robust. You hit you switch it on, it comes on, you switch it off, it goes off. So the lighting itself should we should not dilute the behavior that people expect from the lighting system. That's the reason the sensor is wired to the light fixture and when you walk into a stairwell, the lights come on using a wired secure connection that is in the fixture itself. It does not rely on any network connectivity. The sensors themselves talk to each other using wireless and wireless has lots of advantages because you don't have to you know, put in a new infrastructure, it can work for retrofit and a new construction. And that configuration is done via a central system once to set up the sensors. The sensors communicate the data back via a gateway that converts the wireless data to wired. Mm -hmm. And the wired data is either on-prem in a server or backhauled into the cloud yeah. where we store 10 years of data and have APIs there for other people to write applications. Uh, we have built some of the first few applications ourselves. Yeah, okay. And you're managing that whole system. Today we are. Yeah. Um, so uh, at the moment, how easy is it to move the data from your cloud from that to sort of other analytic platforms that, that might it, other it buildings? Fair, it is fairly easy. We have had to do that ourselves as we made different choices along you know, in the last six years. So. Hmm. Uh, in the network management world where I come from, uh, we have moved from one database to another database as we grow because we use free open source databases in the beginning and then we go to more enterprise class databases. So this is something we built into the system that we can move from one platform to another but hold our APIs constant so anybody who builds something on top of it is uh, shielded. Mm -hmm. Great. I wanted to ask your opinion on a few technologies that we've seen applied to lighting and how they might fit in with what you're doing or, or not. Um, for example, uh, first one, uh, power over Ethernet. You've seen people using that for, for some lighting applications. So I tell people, you know, everything is true at a given point in time. And POE is something four or five years ago when we started, I was vehemently against it. For a number of reasons, but today I think the time for PoE has arrived. You know, LEDs are a lot more efficient, and wherever you're dealing with uh, incandescent or fluorescent fixtures that are sub 100 watt and are going to replace them with LEDs, PoE is a very viable option for major uh, TIs or new construction. Yeah. The good thing that has happened is that serious networking companies like uh, Cisco have stepped into connected lighting and are going to power PoE-based lighting, this will give manufacturers the comfort to build PoE-based light fixtures and drivers. So the whole ecosystem has to change. But unless there is somebody who knows what he's doing behind it, it is very difficult for the ecosystem to change. 
So today, with the networking giants stepping into connected lighting, the manufacturers, you know, willing to build fixtures that will work with the BOE-based lighting, and the fact that IoT has happened, and the real use case for BOE-based lighting is a secure, high bandwidth backhaul from every light fixture. Yeah. That is where the future is. So I think POE is going to happen. New construction already realizes that it is much cheaper to put in low voltage Ethernet cable than to put uh, AC wire through conduit in buildings. So th there were cost advantages, but it is very difficult for the ecosystem to move because only a fraction of the fixtures will be POE. And you have to do AC wiring anyway. So in some sense, it's a forklift upgrade and it required, uh, you know, big giants to step in to, to make this real. So I think that's happened. So in the next couple of years, we will see a lot more new building, especially office buildings and data centers where uh, non-high base situations are there, where POE lighting takes off. Yeah. Then also um, DALI. So DALI, I, I see DALI as a control architecture. By that, I mean all the components of DALI and the way it's deployed with two wires uh, uh, snaked around the ceiling. That will start to fade away in the next couple of years, if not already. It is a protocol that was built for lights on, off, dim, bright, mm. you know, with a few more uh, uh, knobs to it. But the protocol itself has served lighting really well. So the protocol in different architectures might survive for a lot longer. And uh, one of the ways we are using it is as a point-to-point -point DALI solution uh, with a smart driver that uh, is today built by Philips uh, that attaches directly to our sensor. So we eliminate uh, the need to power our sensor by having the driver power our sensor and the two wires provide both power as well as communication so it actually simplifies the cost of goods that we deliver to the end customer so DALI was an awesome protocol as well as a powering standard for that use case having said that it is again limited severely limited in its uh, data capabilities so right. I think it's all going to be about the data. So the protocol might survive a little longer. The architecture, I think, is we're done with. Bus architectures are a thing of the past. And that's what people have to realize. I mean, Ethernet started off with the bus architecture. We were coax and thicknet. And all we have today is switches. So star architectures are so much more simpler and robust that at the end, we will go back to being a star architecture. So that's my 20 years of networking speaking. Yeah, that's really interesting. And also, uh, lastly, um, Li-Fi. So this kind of concept of, which is still being developed, you know, about like using light to transfer data. I, I think it is still just for the labs and showcases. I'm not sure how it will work in the real world. You know, it's one thing to say that, hey, it'll work in a grocery store where every uh, car is, has an iPad attached to it that is, you know, parallel to the ground and facing the light fixture and communication is happening. It's another thing to force people to pull their cell phones out of their pocket, unlock their cell phones and hold it up to the light fixtures to actually 
ha- have a conversation. So, so that uh, that's the main issue, as you said, is that it is completely direct. Has to be a, a direct line of sight to between the two connections. Exactly, and you know, we do direct line of sight. We do it with you know huge uh, radios on top of uh, mountains that are line of sight. In in our day to day life, we. We are, we are done with line of sight, other than remotes and your TV, where you're sitting bang in front of it. So line of sight uh, communication for people who come in all shapes and sizes, who walk in different ways, is something that uh, I don't think is, is viable as a mass market product. There might be some speciality applications where it will gain traction, but not as a mass market product, unless we figure out some other things to make it more robust and uh, easy to use. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. And of course, just a um, message if anyone else has any questions here for us, please type them in and uh, we will answer them for you. I just wanted to go on now and look at um, a bit more sort of talk about the market in general. Uh, we did some research recently. We've looked at the kind of global market for lighting controls and we've predicts some, some interesting growth in the market, like up to sort of 3.6 billion in, in 2020. Um, Tanaj, where do you see um, the lighting control? And obviously, um, well, I say probably better to say building controls market heading. Um, what's your opinion? Oh, I think it's going to get a lot bigger, a lot faster. Okay. Uh, you know, with the, uh, with the, uh, the bulk of the non-lighting companies, the tech companies, looking at IoT and the growth of IoT and the mm-hmm. way into the enterprise as lighting control, I think the lighting control market is going to explode a lot faster than people think it is because uh, there are other applications that are going to be built on the lights that will be way more valuable, but to get in, you will have to do lighting control you know, as as a baseline. Mm-hmm. So my take is that I think it will grow a lot, lot faster in the next years. And it is important that it does because this is the time we are moving to LEDs. Right. And when you move to LEDs, you spend a lot of money in the labor during that transition. So it is really important that when you do that transition, you put in a sensor platform that will future-proof your building. Once you are done with the transition to LEDs, the energy savings headroom starts decreasing significantly and makes it tougher to justify another control upgrade with a repeated labor component to it. So for us, it is really important that we make sure that the LED transition and the advanced lighting control transition or the sensor IoT platform transition happens hand in hand. So I would mimic this graph with the LED transition, and that's what we would hope, uh, that it starts to catch on in the next couple of years, that anyone who thinks of doing an LED retrofit or an LED upgrade looks at doing the right lighting control day one. Yeah, if if you're going to um, make the transition to LEDs, then it is also the time to add control to those lights as well. Exactly, exactly. And I think it is happening all over the world today as we speak. You know, people have realized the, the long life of the LEDs and the, the higher efficiencies. And all over the world, we are 
going into an aggressive LED uh, retrofit. Where do you, um, as a company, where do you see the biggest opportunities for you? Is it predominantly in, you know, the commercial real estate office space? Or do you, I mean, for example, um, uh, when do you think we're going to see the control, um, uh, controls come into smaller commercial buildings? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You're right. I mean, we have tended to drift towards the poles in some sense. We do the end consumer with, you know, Google and Apple and Samsung and other companies going after them. And then there are all the startups and smart lighting companies out there going after the large enterprises. So somehow the small and medium segment has been left behind. It is a huge, huge opportunity, and I've been speaking to utilities in the United States, and they all want to create incentives to push that market. Now, it is a huge opportunity because wherever you see a two-lamp, three-lamp uh, T8 fixture, in some cases in the small and medium businesses or small commercial spaces, we even see T12s out there. There is a huge, huge opportunity. But the problem getting to that opportunity is a technology as well as a go-to-market problem that have to be solved simultaneously. You know, it is easy to get to the end consumer, it is easy to get to the huge enterprises because the cost of sales for both uh, fairly justifies it. But the cost of sales in the small, medium business is generally a lot higher, so nobody knows how to approach it. And fundamentally, they don't know how to approach it because their technology is not that easy to use. If somehow magically we were able to sell kits that you know were shipped to the door and as they opened up little robots ran around and attached themselves to the light fixtures and the whole building worked and the next morning you came in everything was great and working and you you knew you knew what the building was doing that would be great but think of it as you know we can support let's say Enlighted can support 250 to 300 customers with our, the size of our customer support today. Right. If you were to go after small and medium businesses, that number would have probably been two to three thousand customers. So you know we get one support call from a facility manager managing a you know million square feet, and now we'll get one support call from a small business with ten thousand square feet. So you know, we are ready with the technology, but we have not yet packaged it so that, the, you know, we can actually get to the small and medium businesses through the channel. And the channel should be trained and everybody else should know how to handle the system. Mm. So I think the opportunity is huge. I don't, I think the go-to-market as well as the product have to be solved in parallel. And as far as I can see, nobody has done a great job today because the code requirements are fairly stringent. Uh, it does require, you know, some smarts and, uh, yeah. Yeah, you need um, a, a professional to do the commissioning and installation. You do, and that's kind of the issue. If you didn't, the end user would be a lot more comfortable managing the system himself and knowing what to do. So. Uh, you know, we kind of have to dumb down an enterprise class system to be foolproof for the small and medium business where he gets 90% of the benefits from the system. 
and not try and expose the last 10% where various sophisticated behaviors can be handled. But once we have that in, you know, security is huge for small and medium businesses. Today, the alarm systems we have in these offices just look for glass breakage and can't tell anything about what happened. You know, we, our office looks like a small commercial real estate. And when we got broken into, we were able to track the exact path of the perpetrators and how they went and how they exited the building. And uh, we, we shared that with the cops. So we kind of knew which part of the building we needed to audit to figure out what was lost. Mm. So, and, you know, it's, it's no question of a false positive, false negative. We can tell you the guy apparated from a side window. So we know that he broke in. Mm. And uh, it's a much better security system with a lot more granularity. So if we were able to get to those channels with the right solution, they might do it for us. So in some sense, the go-to-market, the right solution, which I think might have to be beyond lighting, will have to be solved simultaneously to really access that market. Right, because, I mean, there's obviously, you know, let's take video surveillance, for example. There's a quite a mature route to market through qualified systems integrators now. Um, yes. And, you know, the example that, that you gave there of um, using the, the information from your system to track somebody through that uh, is, is really interesting because you could combine that. That could be an added sell, sell on for video um, for people installing video systems. Exactly. So if you could leverage another go to market, which has people already visit the buildings and the cost structures for that business supports the visit. If you piggyback on that, I think that's that's the way we would really enable this market because uh, it will have to be through a slightly different channel than the traditional lighting channel because the energy spend on lighting for small buildings is so small and uh, they don't bother. Many of them don't even bother with code and do what they want. So it will have to be another application where they will get you know, benefits beyond lighting that will enable this market. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So I wanted to show one more slide from our report here, looking at uh, new construction and specifically the opportunity for retrofit. Um, we've noticed in the research that we've done that retrofit for lighting control is, is sort of underserved. Um, and we, again, think that's a big opportunity. I, I'd like your, your opinion on that. It is a huge opportunity, and uh, I mean, we started the company with uh, with that opportunity in mind, and our solutions were built so that they could go into a retrofit market. And uh, one of the things we learned is that in a retrofit situation, we can only deal with what happens with the buildings on an ongoing basis. So what happens with buildings is you do bulb and ballast replacements. If our system could go in as simply as a bulb, and a ballast replacement, then we had a shot at uh, getting to that market. If it didn't, then we would be mired in all kinds of other problems. Hey, I have no idea what's above it in the plenum. There might be asbestos. We have heard it all. So we, we focused on building a solution that would work really well in the retrofit market. Yeah. And because it does that, it automatically works for new construction. But in the retrofit market, it's been a completely a greenfield uh, space for us. We do not see much competition. The biggest competition in some sense in the retrofit market is the fact that the facility manager, again, has no budget. 
Right. You have these companies with millions and millions of square feet, but they are not willing to spend significant amount of dollars in upgrading their portfolio in one or two years. They go about it in a piecemeal basis and do one building a quarter. And at that rate, some of the buildings uh, we were uh, we were retrofitting would have taken us 100 years to get through their entire portfolio. And that's when we invented uh, GEO, which is our global energy optimization program, where we, based on our own installations and our years of data, are super confident of the savings we will generate. We created a financial program where we install the retrofit solution at our cost and the customer pays for the metered energy savings that we deliver. And right. that has been hugely successful because that eliminates the uh, capital hurdle. Yeah, absolutely. So you're financing the, the capital expenditure straight up. So yes. it removes that hurdle for the company um, to think, well, we have to spend this much money. They can put their system in and not, not spend any money and then you yes. and then you guys share the energy saving in simple sense yes it's, okay. it's a lot more complicated because we take all the risk and the customer if we don't save anything the customer pays nothing so mm. it's much better than a typical esco for the end customer so it's a win-win for him he can't lose yeah fantastic and that's and so i mean that's really how to sell into the retrofit market rather I think than that is about a, lighting you need to talk about energy Yes. So that's what gets you past the CFO and the fact that there is no budget. But what really sells even in the retrofit market is there is somebody somewhere who has another pain point, which the data we gather helps solve. In some companies, it was conference room scheduling. In other companies, it has been asset tracking. Uh, and it is the promise of getting to those applications and they can see the path because we have the data and the platform that that motivates them to say, hey, let's get our, uh, you know, our campus and our entire portfolio retrofitted so that we can leverage these other applications, space planning, space utilization, on top of uh, our real estate portfolio. So that is the emotional tag. Uh, the, the, the financial justification comes from the energy. Yeah, that's great. So just wanted to, I'm um, coming to the, the end of um, the questions I have. Um, I so just wanted to say, everybody out there, if, if there are questions now for Tanish, then please um, type them in. Um, I guess I was going to ask them, like in, in terms of for Enlighted, about um, the future strategy for growth. Are you guys looking to, um, uh, is this something specific you're doing next year? Are you looking to grow organically or through acquisition? What, what's the what does the future look like? So we are looking at uh, a lot of partnerships in the, in the coming year where we have now have a substantial footprint and we are trying to increase our footprint. That's uh, something we will do always. But because of the footprint, we have data that can be leveraged by a number of partners for different uh, solutions that we can solve. So we are going to go into partnership with a number of companies in the coming quarters to build on top of the data we have mm. and go to the market with solutions 
that uh, lighting, advanced lighting control is just a part of. So I think that is key for us. We are looking at uh, acquiring a few small companies that are focused in one of the areas, one of the applications that we are interested in. And uh, in the next couple of quarters, we might look at acquiring a few of them. Great, and obviously that's where the API comes in because that's going to enable more partnerships for you guys. Opening up our data so that other people are writing applications is really, really important to us. I mean, we have held back because, you know, we, 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 we really didn't know what we have, you know, when it took us a while to figure out what the data can tell us. I mean, we just built it because we are digital people with a computer background and when you build a laptop you don't know what software is going to run on it, what it's going to be capable of. So we now have a good sense of what the data looks like, how do we package it and uh, you know do some layer of consolidation so that other people can consume the data and produce valuable applications. So we are at that point that we are ready to to give APIs to our data for other other applications. Yeah, great. Just wanted to um, finish off then. First of all, uh, just to say that the um, graphs I've shown here come from um, our new study on the lighting controls business from 2015 to 2020. If you want some information on that, then please go to our website. Uh, there's some articles we've written there and, and looking at the, the business. I uh, also wanted to say um, that we will, we have recorded this and I'm going to be posting it onto the um, onto the website so you'll be able to listen to it again. Um, and also I'll, I'll be sending out an email to everybody so you, you can get the link for that. Uh, and also just to say that um, with next month, it's going to be our final um, webinar for 2015, is going to be looking at access control and identity management. Uh, in the cloud and you know something that's um, pretty close to what we've been discussing today so that's going to be with uh, the CEO of an American company called Brevo who've uh, recently been acquired and actually doing some really interesting things with uh, with access control technology so just want to say um, big thank you to uh, Tanish that was really interesting stuff there and um, yeah thanks so much thank you Good, and, and obviously thanks to everyone uh, listened. Uh, Tanaj, if they want more information about um, Enlighted or yourself, like where, um, is there some, anywhere you want to point people to specifically? I think the best place to get information is sales at enlightedinc.com. Okay. And if they, um, do, you, do you have things like case studies that they can, they can look at? We do. Uh, some of them are posted on our website. I think you have to register to get access to them. Okay, great. So yeah, it just remains to say thanks again. And uh, yeah, look forward to um, speak, uh, hearing from everybody next month. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.